1: WNYC Studios. Wait, wait. You're listening. Okay. All right. Okay.
2: All right. (laughs) You're listening.
3: Radio Lab. Radio Lab.
2: (laughs) WNYC. Live. (laughs) Wait, we're not live right now. We are. we really are.
1: Hey, this is Radio Lab. I'm Soren Wheeler. Um, today, you're going to hear Lulu and Latif and, and our show in a very different mode, mood, place. Um, reason being, it's Radiolab's 20th anniversary. So 20 years ago, Jad started a show that played Sunday nights here on WYC, our home station, just on the air. No, no podcast back in that day. And so in celebration of, of those 20 years and all the things that have happened to the show since... We took over the airwaves of our of WMC once again, and and we ran the show live. Um, actually, we did two live shows that night, um, just this past Sunday, in a row. But I I just wanted to share some of that little experiment with everyone on the podcast. So I'm gonna play the second hour of that show uh, in the spirit of the attempt, totally totally raw, unedited, and um, I hope you enjoy it.
2: I'm Lulu Miller. (laughs) I'm Latif Nasser.
4: You are listening to Radiolab Tries Live.
2: So we don't normally do live radio, so since we're so used to pre-recording everything, this is basically our equivalent of showing up to high school for a pop quiz naked. Um, But it is our 20th birthday, and we wanted to celebrate in real time with you— don't worry, we are wearing clothes, and we actually did prepare for this pop quiz. We've got stories, we've got guests, we've got surprises in store. And we are not going to curse. And best of all, we got you, uh, if you want. Uh, we're opening the phone lines shortly to take your calls.
5: Okay,
4: so 20 years ago, when Jad Abumrad started Radio Lab, he called himself a, quote,
2: DJ of documentary. Um. He's so corny. He's such a (laughs) horrible.
4: But so beautiful. He he spun audio and stories the way that DJs spin music. Um, Stories from people who weren't always being heard. um, Stories from people he admired. And he thought about what tape to put up against what. And so in that spirit, which I think is so beautiful, we wanted to kick things off by sharing a short story that we love. And honestly, it's kind of better knowing nothing at all going into it. It comes from our pals at The Moth a live storytelling show, and it is told by Ashok Ramasubramanian.
6: Sometimes when I'm walking down the street, uh, people stop me and ask me for change. And of course, it's not change they want. They want money. Uh, but, but here's the deal. like I always have change. I, I always give them money. Uh, it, it wasn't always this way, and there was a time when I was quite stingy with my money. And this is how it all changed, and it's due to my roommate. I was in the third year of my engineering school in India, and one day a relation of mine who's been overseas came back with a Kit Kat, the candy bar, a, a, a full bar. Uh, he gave it to me and he said, this is Kit Kat." They eat it in america <laughs> and and it 's amazing <laughs> so when, when you're in India and when you have a roommate, um, tradition dictates that you share this thing with your with your roommate um, and I looked at it and it was like nothing i 've ever seen before it was it was beautiful <laughs> uh, and and I said. I'm gonna eat just a small piece. I mean, I'll still share the bulk of the thing with the roommate, I mean, no harm done. I ate a small piece, and it was amazing. And, and I said, I'll eat a little piece more. I mean, you know where this is going. Uh, pretty, pretty soon, I, I had only a very small piece of Kit Kat in my hand. And at this point some kind of twisted logic seized me. I mean, what's the point of sharing now? I mean, I mean the roommate's going to come home and I got to explain, "Dude, I had this full bar. I ate most of it and there's only a small piece to share with." No, the safe thing to do is to eat that also and 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 hide the wrapper. Which is which is what I did. Now 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 in my 21 years in India, in my 21 years in India, uh, this Kit Kat has come into my life only two times. You already know the first time. Now here is the second. About two hours later, my roommate comes home. <laughs> and he's clearly delighted about something. And, and joy is a concept that's very hard to pin down, but you know it when you see it. And I saw joy in the eyes of my roommate. He's, the dude's clearly excited about something. Now in his hand is a small paper napkin folded up and he opens it up and inside is a small one-inch piece of Kit-Kat. <laughs> now, unlike me, who had wealthy relatives abroad, he, a friend of a friend had given him something, a small piece, and his eyes were filled with the joy of sharing. And, and he said, this is Kit-Kat. They eat it in America. And, and it's amazing. And his eyes were sparkling with joy. I've never seen anything like that since or before. Well, my own eyes are more confused than anything else. Like, I mean, what am I supposed to say? Dude, I actually had a full bar. You know, I ate it all, so you should eat this. I mean, so he he proceeded to take a ruler. This is engineering school, so there's rulers all over the place. And the rulers that we use have one edge that's sharp, the better to draw lines with. So he took the sharp edge of the ruler, and he cut his tiny bit of Kit Kat into two. And he offered one piece to me. I ate it. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? I mean... It, it's, too comp- it's too complicated to do anything else. But, you know, you know, two Kit Kats in a single day, within hours of each other, uh, the universe, God, if you will, is trying to send me a signal saying, dude, you are on the wrong path. You need to change. And so I did. Thank you.
2: That was Ashok Rama Sabramanian, and his story came to us via The Moth. The Moth is actually about to celebrate their 25th anniversary, got us beat by five. Uh, happy birthday to The Moth. They have a new book out called How to Tell a Story The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling from The Moth.
4: That story makes me so happy. Uh, I just get warm when I hear it. Latif, can I tell you a, um, a fun factoid that <laughs> may or may not be true that I learned recently about Kit Kats? Okay. Okay, so do you know what's inside a, a Kit Kat? Like, what's on the inside?
2: Wafer, wafer, wafer.
4: Mm-hmm. But more specifically, any other, any other besides
2: guests? the wafer and the chocolate? I don't know. I feel like those are the only two ingredients.
4: Okay, apparently it is crushed up Kit Kats. No. Which begs the question: What was inside the first <laughs> Kit Kat? <laughs> So, pondering unanswerable, physical, philosophical puzzles like the Kit Kat Arubaris, uh, as Mm -hmm. I like to call it, which may or may not be true if anyone from the Candy Corporation wants to let us know we're here, uh, that brings me joy. I like to think about stuff like that. And over the past 20 years at Radiolab, um, the show has covered all kinds of things, science, the Supreme Court, history. um, But I think it's fair to say we always try to keep our antenna tuned for moments of joy. Um, We try to work at least one into
2: every episode. So, listeners, we are calling on you to help us find some joy for this episode tonight. Uh, These are some dark times. There's war. There's pestilence. There's climate change. There's so much more terror. Uh, But for just a short segment here, let's focus on the hard won Joy. Uh, we're opening the phone lines. If you if you laughed so hard you cried in the last week, we want to hear about it. Call us at 844-745-8255. That's 844-745-TALK. Or send a tweet tagging at Radiolab or using the hashtag RadiolabLive.
4: It could be a tiny moment of joy, and interaction you observed between strangers on a train, a little seedling finally pushing up through the dirt. Um, Whatever it is, if you registered that good, warm feeling in your body, call us and tell us about it. We want to know what it looked like, what it felt like, sounded like. Whatever it is, we want to know.
2: And as the calls start rolling in, just to get you in the spirit, we wanted to play for you one of our favorite moments of pure bliss ever captured on tape is from Radio Lab back in 2012 here it goes okay hello hello
7: Hello!
8: Hello, hello! Hey! How are you?
9: <laughs> we
10: are super, super excited to talk with you. Oh,
9: well,
6: same with me. I'm sorry about the delay and so on. Um, oh, fine.
10: No, it's fine. Quite a, some busy days. Life is crazy. Life is crazy. Yeah, I know. But
6: uh, you were so enthusiastic, so I, like, just, <laughs> I
10: I need to talk to these guys. They really mean it. <laughs> this is Alex. Alexander Gamme. 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 Are you Norwegian all the way back? Yeah. Typical Norwegian. You know, if typical, includes things like... Biking in Sahara and uh, climbing Everest and, and things like that. He's kind of a, a professional adventurer. Mm. And we got him into the studio because he made a video last year on one of his trips. I gotta tell you, this video, it, it, it's maybe the most amazing internet video I have ever seen. <laughs> I think so, too. Oh. So let me just set the scene for you. Okay. What you see in the video is this guy, Alex kind of moving along this he's on skis this snowy snowscape Mm. he's filming himself he's got the camera in his right hand where is he exactly Antarctica he's on a three-month trek to the South Pole and back by himself and what he'd been doing is every couple of days on his trip you know every 200 kilometers or so he would bury stuff in the snow some some fuel and uh, and sometimes a little bit of gear that I didn't use was that just to lighten your load yeah you know, because every ounce of unneeded weight has to go. Sure. So, in this video, it's day 86. Almost three months since I left. That's three months of walking 10 hours a day. And I lost almost 25 kilos. 55 pounds. He's exhausted. Oh. He's come upon his last cache. So, on the last cache where this uh, video is captured... What you see is Alex kneel in the snow, start to dig. I'm telling that I'm quite hungry. Whatever's in this last cache in the snow, it's been three months since he buried it. So I didn't really recall what was
5: there.
10: He hopes it's something good. So he digs up this bag of stuff, starts rifling through it. (laughs) Vaseline... Some zinc ointment.
5: It's just a mess.
10: Nothing. It's it's pretty much all trash.
4: Yeah, there's quite a lot. Also, it was probably good.
10: But then.
11: Yeah! Yeah!
8: Yeah!
10: What? <laughs> He holds up <laughs> a <laughs> double pack of cheese doodles.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>!
10: <laughs> then he throws it up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is this is my favorite part. He just freezes. And he's staring off into the distance almost like. Did that happen?
6: Unreal I mean,
10: Is it real? So he starts to dig some more.
1: And then...
3: <laughs> What's it this
10: time? A huge chocolate bar. It's milk chocolate. <laughs> and then it's just like... He finds some
11: mentos.
10: <laughs> I find more and more and more.
2: <laughs>
10: Have you ever been that happy in your life?
2: That was from the Radio Lab episode "Bliss," and I want to welcome two of the blissed-out voices you heard uh, in that clip to the show right now. Uh, special guests, are you there? We're, We're here. Yep. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Hello. Th- Hi. Those voices, of course, okay. belong to Jad Boom Boom Abumrad and Robert Crully Krellwich, former hosts of Radio Lab. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I
3: Fast just feel like
2: saying he- Eat up. Hello. Yeah, Hello, thank
4: you for coming. <laughs> um, OK, here now that we're calling the shots, <laughs> uh, here's the here's here's the uh, gateway question that lets you into this evening. Um, OK, first, Jad, w- have you had a moment of joy or bliss that, that you have felt?
10: Oh, that's a great question, Lulu. It, uh, uh, in fact, that question gives me joy um, <laughs> and then it is asked by you gives me double joy. Um, I, you I'm going to make it harder.
4: A... I'm going to make it harder in the last week.
10: Oh, well, I'll give you one for today. I'll give okay, you okay, one. From okay, 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 okay. Okay, great. Um the uh it, it's not a, it's not quite as ecstatic as the cheese doodles, but <laughs> I um so my oldest son, who is now 12 and who plays piano and who's pretty good. Um he this afternoon went to an open mic night for teens. He's not yet a teen, but he's almost a teen, and he <laughs> and and he it. and he played an original song that he wrote. I, and he got up on this very professional looking stage at this wow. very legit looking jazz venue. And he played his song wow.
12: accompanied by
10: a bass player and a, and a drummer who he, who he never met. And he took a solo and it was great. And Carla wow. and I were in the audience and we were like, damn, that's our that's our that's our child. <laughs> and uh, who used to be like a chubby little blob. Right, and then and now he's this tall, lanky like, twelve-year-old with peach fuzz, and he's playing jazz with two other people. Wow. It was just a beautiful, joyful moment. You can't uh, so, like yeah, give us that's my I-
4: You can't give us an impression of what this, a little flavor of what the sound the song sounded like. No, like if
10: acoustic, I if
4: I had the, p- the piano,
10: it wasn't like that kind of jazz. <laughs> okay, it was like uh, Keith Jarrett standards. Oh, I don't too. know what that means. I didn't know. Okay, all right. You know what? It's it was it's pretty. It's pretty. It's like a okay. it's pretty jazz. Yeah, it was nice. He he did he did great. I was really proud of him. Okay, That's, Robert, your wait. turn.
3: My turn. So let's see. I guess it has to be today. 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 Last I last um...
10: five minutes, Crowley. Last five minutes. <laughs> no. Okay. Last week you could.
3: Do... Last week. Well, no. In the last few hours, I have been completing my um my wild, my wild, grass garden. So. <laughs> I, I have created a plot of land, roughly 40 square feet, on the corner of a property that I own, which is right by a road. And it was very hot today, but I was determined, because the instruction said, if you want to put the seeds of these wildflowers into your cleared area, you must reduce the ground to a completely rootless pe-hunk of sweet earth. And the um, no one has touched this ground, I guess, in at least 50 years. So there's an awful lot of roots there. So I'm I had this thing where I was on my knees and I was pulling out roots and pulling out roots and pulling out roots. And I was sweaty. And then some lady came walking with her dog up the road and stood for a long time. I was unaware of her at first. And then she said to the dog, look at this man. He loves his garden. <laughs> he heard that. And the flow, just the compliment entered me and I blossomed and I made a full turn. So that I was thinking of maybe bowing or something, but she had walked on. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was, <laughs> it was just a little moment where I thought, thank the Lord that I had found this pleasure. But it's like, And then at the end of the hour, I was able to then sprinkle this sack of seeds, which I bought about two months ago. And then it said, now stamp on the seeds with your feet. So that's what I did. It says, don't water it. Don't cover it with earth. Just stamp on it and then go away, which is what I did. Sacred
4: moments in rootless earth and boy jazz. Um, Now we are asking for your moments of joy. The phone number is 844 745-8255 Robert and Jad are going to stick around call us in it's Radiolab's 20th birthday we'll be back in a moment
2: Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank.
0: WNYC Studios is supported by Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government and internal investigations, and at trial. When the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com. Radiolab is supported by TurboTax. TurboTax experts make
4: all your moves count, filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side-hustled your way to concert tickets, or sold Hollywood memorabilia, switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
0: When you see actor Danielle Brooks on the red carpet at the Oscars, she will be in full glamour and in grief.
5: I've been with Sophia for so long. And I just know, like, after the Oscars, that chapter is really done. And that saddens me.
11: I'm Kai Wright. A star of The Color Purple honors the role that shaped her career. Next time on Notes from America. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Latif. Lulu. Radio Radiolab.
4: We are here celebrating 20 years of Radio Lab and we are doing it by taking calls about moments of joy that we're going to share with Jad and Robert who are here with us. So right now we have Eva in Ohio. Eva, are you there? Hi there. Okay, what is your moment of joy? I am.
13: Yeah, so you know, with the pandemic being what it was, I had the great gift of having some friends stay with me over the weekend, who I had not seen in years. Um, And, you know, as happens when you are with people for the first time in a long time, you're starting to relearn the social protocols of spending time with each other. And we were having a good time, but it was a little stilted until one of my guests went into the bathroom and unbeknownst to him, my cat was also in the bathroom with him. And we unfortunately discovered that the cat was in the bathroom when said cat very determinedly tried to get out of the bathroom. Um, and uh, the bathroom door is one of those sliding barn style doors that you see all over, um, you know, sure. flipper flopper, all those other HGTV shows.
0: Sure. And
13: so we look over at the bathroom and we just see my cat's arm sticking out of the door. Being like, let me out, let me out, let me out. Um, Um, And my little 10-pound cat was so determined to get out of that bathroom that he pried the door open all on his own, uh, (laughs) leaving my poor friend exposed on the toilet. And there was something so quintessentially human about that moment and the fact that no matter how long it had been since we had seen each other, Bathroom humor is always a way to love get it. everyone <laughs> crying with laughter.
5: Love it. So Eva's I moment of joy
4: story. is a close friend's slight humiliation with cat, And, you know, at the hands of a tiny little cat. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much for calling in. We're going to just keep moving and make a pastiche of these moments in the last week. Um, so next up.
2: Next up, we got Max in Boreham Hill, Brooklyn. Max, uh, you are on the air.
9: Oh my goodness!
2: A, it's such a, first of all, it's a joy to be on the
9: air uh. with these four incredible people uh, who I've been listening to for almost all twenty years. I've been <laughs> listening since since Kralwich joined, basically. Oh uh, my god! Um, really?
3: And I'm a Borum Hill person. And, I live um, on Dean Street. I, I'm from that very neighborhood. I mean, for a little while, anyway.
9: Oh my goodness! I'm on on Douglas and Smith.
3: Oh, oh, yeah. um, Tell us yeah. your moment
9: of joy. Um, my, it was uh, yesterday. I was heading into Manhattan um, for a, a friend's birthday party in Central Park, and I was on the F train. And uh, a, a a dad came on with his, I'd say, probably four year old son, um, sat down across from me. And the son's looking around the train and gets a little bored, and then the dad pulls out a, a toy still in its box hmm. and hands it to the kid who looks at it and he catches eyes with me and I give him I'm wearing my mask and, and give him just a, a big eyebrow raise <laughs> oh my goodness he got a toy face and he he lights up but I'm reading I'm reading a book and he's looking around the train and then he just keeps coming back to me and comes back to me and then his eyes start to just drift away. Hmm. And this little boy just starts to fall asleep holding this toy, <laughs> staring at me, trying to figure out what's going on, and then falls asleep. <laughs> and his, I'm son, not his, sure his father the story. <laughs> And his his father brings him in and then tries to um wake him up as they're about to get off and this kid just can't keep his eyes open. <laughs> and it was just this moment of, of seeing joy in a kid's face when he's at the end of his day was just mm. a real moment of joy for me to witness.
3: Mm. I, see. Mm. I see. So the, so there was a, and there was a, the gaze at you was the last bit of life he had in him before he had to hit the wall. <laughs> yeah. sleep-wise? He, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
10: did that... you drug
2: this kid? What happened? Yeah, I was thinking, like, I you've never fallen asleep of... on, the, on, on, on public transit? I feel like oh, that, no, I get my every, best sleep on public time, transit.
3: Every time. Especially yeah, on under toy the, Not under the, under the focused gaze of a happy man on the other side of the train. I mean, something strange <laughs> happened there, I feel.
2: Okay. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you, Max. Uh, appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks
4: so thank you, much. Mary. Um, that'll do it. We had more calls, but we just reveled in the joy too much to take any more. So we're gonna call it on our section of joy. Um thank you. That's it.
10: All the joy Well,
4: that there's gonna be more fair. joy, just less joy from the college, but more joy coming. Um okay. Thanks okay. for everyone who called in. <laughs>
2: That was uh, that yodeling was previously recorded by Lulu and myself. Uh, we are celebrating Radiolab's 20th anniversary today, 20 years ago when Jad started the show. It broadcast live. He played audio from people he admired. We're doing that tonight, too. Time now for another short story that we love. This one is called Are You a Member of Wash Club? And it was originally broadcast on the BBC Radio 4 show Shortcuts.
8: One night, I'm sitting in a student halls of residence. It's in the kitchen, sort of after midnight, and I'm chatting to this guy called Beaver. Beaver's telling me a story. He'd seen a bunch of teenagers hanging out in the 24-hour laundrette, and uh, one of the kids was inside one of the tumble dryers and was kind of going around. When Beaver first saw this, he thought that they were torturing the guy in the tumble dryer, but. When Beaver realised that the guy was actually inside the tumble dryer by by choice, he demanded to be the next person to get a go in the machine. The tumble dryers, they've got like a temperature gauge on them, and the rest of the guys had put this down to zero. However, Beaver told me that when it came to his go, and this is his words, right, he insisted on being tumbled at the same temperature as his clothes. I'm listening to this story, right? And I'm just thinking, I've hit pay dirt. A clandestine tumbling club here on campus. That's kind of vintage Lifestyle Magazine material. If you take into account that the second part of Beaver's story is like definitely a lie, isn't it? There's no way that he'd do himself at the same temperature that he does his clothes. He'd be like severely burnt. But the first part of the story is probably true, isn't it? Like that's probably, it's probably true, isn't it? The next day, I start work. I go to the late-night laundrette, and I kinda hang around to see if anything happens. Nothing happens, which I'm really surprised by. Uh, but I realize I'm only one man. Like I can't be in all laundrettes in Norwich simultaneously. So I start putting up posters, and um, this is, you know, this is a copy I've written. Are you a member of Wash Club? And I mean, I've just put my mobile number. At the bottom, immediately I start getting text messages about it. What is Wash Club? Which is a good question, right? It's a good question. My poster doesn't make that clear. <laughs> At all. So I'd respond with something like, Wash Club is a secret society where you get into tumble dryers and go round. Are you a member? And then there'd be another message, you know, like... What is Wash Club? And then I'd respond, Wash Club is a clandestine group who test their endurance by getting into tumble dryers. Are you a member? Can I join Wash Club? When is next meeting? I want into Wash Club. When next Wash Club meeting? Pretty much every message I received from that moment onwards was just an application to join overnight. I became the ringleader of the very cult I was supposed to be investigating. I don't know what you'd do in a situation like this, maybe, like, text back these people and um, explain the mistake. And, like, in retrospect, yeah, like, yes, that's a really good idea. But but at the time, I just sent this text message to everyone who texted me uh, saying, Meeting for new recruits next Monday at midnight, uni laundrette, no loose clothing. Because... All right, and, and, and I want to justify that. Even if they hadn't gone to a club yet, they were like potential people who might join. And that's still interesting, right? So I wanted to talk to those people. Maybe Wash Club already existed, like it didn't exist. But maybe it did, right? Maybe it did, and then the original chapter would hear about this kind of new chapter, and we would kind of join forces. Um, except that's never gonna happen, because like, this is a fantasy. Uh, I had another text through.
0: My name is Sue Hartnell. I'm writing an article on Wash Club. I wondered if you could explain a bit more about the club and what happens at a Wash Club event.
8: I sent like a quick response. It just said, "Hi uh, oh, Sue, there's no such thing as Wash Club. It's just a joke. Hope you haven't wasted too much time looking into it. Cheers, Ross. Two days later, like, this is the article.
0: Students spin and tumble in late-night dryer rides. Despite the supposed tradition behind the Wash Club, there have been no past reports about the activity. Members remain ever elusive.
8: I decide at this point it's best that I don't respond to any more text messages, um, just in case any more journalists try to, like, weed their way into my club. My plan is, right, that I'm also going to go down on that Monday at midnight and pretend to be another new recruit myself. So Monday rolls around. I'm killing time till midnight, so I go down to the uh, the computer centre of the university and start to do a little bit of preliminary research. There have been reports of, uh, you know, people getting inside tumble dryers in other parts of the country, and that shouldn't be a surprise, really. I mean, there's bored teenagers everywhere, right? But there's one story which is in the seaside town of Tenby in Wales. Over a 48-hour period, every single industrial tumble dryer in Tenby was broken. Classic wash club activity. The thing that concerned me most about this article was a bit at the end where they did an interview with a tumble dryer repairman. He says, uh, you know, it's just lucky that the tumble dryers these kids got into weren't gas-operated tumble dryers, because if they had done that, then the fumes from the tumble dryer would have made them very sick and possibly could have killed them. And that did give me cause for concern based on what was going to happen this evening. But the reason why I knew it was all right was because Beaver told me, yeah that he definitely went inside the machines on campus. And that's how I knew that they weren't gas operated dryers. Even though Beaver said that he went in at the temperature that he did his clothes and that clearly was a lie. He definitely went inside the machines, right? That part's true. And that's why I knew for certain that I hadn't just formed a, a death cult. Anyway, it gets to midnight, there's two guys already waiting outside, drinking some beer. They they ask me if I'm here for Wash Club. I say yes, I tell them I saw the poster. We stand and have a chat. We're waiting for Mr Wash Club himself to kind of turn up and kind of validate what we're all doing here. Obviously, he's not turning up, he's me, uh, but they don't know that. I use that time whilst we're waiting to talk to the rest of the guys about the kind of like the small risk of these being gas-operated dryers and the fact that we could kill ourselves by getting inside it. And sort of slowly, over the next couple of minutes, we come around to the idea of maybe sacking it off. One of the guys invites us, all of us together, back to his halls of residence. About an hour later, one of his flatmates comes back and he asks us where we've been this evening. Uh, and I tell him. This story has got a cyclical nature to it, because like, here we are, like, back at the start again, sitting in a kitchen on the halls of residence, talking about getting into tumble dryers, except this guy who's just walked in, he's me, and I'm Beaver. He asked us a question, which I didn't really answer at the time. Why would any adult get inside a tumble dryer? Um, which is, just goes to show what a terrible journalist I was that I would never have even asked myself why anyone would kind of do it. But I can answer that question now. At that point in time, I would have done anything for my life to have been like a story. Creating Wash Club was my opportunity to do that. For a minute, you know, I got to be the axis around which everything else turned. You know, whether or not you have any sympathy for that, I think really depends on which perspective you take, right? I mean, because if you take the perspective of the person outside the laundrette looking in, then all you see is a a twat going around in a tumble dryer. But if you take the perspective of the person inside the tumble dryer, then um, just for a moment, you get to see the whole world turning around you.
2: That story came to us from Ross Sutherland's show called Imaginary Advice. It was originally produced by Eleanor McDowell for Shortcuts, a Falling Tree production for BBC Radio.
4: All right, well, since we are here doing live radio at night, we thought we had to pay homage to Queen of Late Night Radio, Delilah, with an. Obscure electroacoustic
0: dedication.
4: In the first and only occurrence of this Never To Occur Again segment, A listener tells us who they want to dedicate a song to and why. And then Jad, who listens to esoteric music that mostly um, only robots like, uh, picks out the song to play for that person. Jad, are you ready for your assignment?
10: Sure. Okay.
4: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So Kelly Clancy just tweeted at us that she wants to dedicate a song to her husband, Jim. Um, her quote favorite person to listen to music and Radiolab with. Um, so, what are you going to send out? What are you going to send out to Jim as a musical expression of Kelly's love? What you got? Well,
10: well, I think I have the perfect soundtrack uh, for <laughs> that that touching dedication. Uh, this is a song that uh, goes simply by the name Construction, okay. because Lulu, we are all just that constructions, works in progress, works, striving yeah, to be for better. Real.
4: Clunky and, and awkward,
10: and yet somehow cold, detached in the face of an uncaring world. And so, with that, <laughs> I, I dedicate this uh, this song, simply called "Construction Number One" by John Wall, to Jim. Is that it? what more do you have to say right okay. It just captures all of it, it really does the relationship it just all of it
2: not quite there. what i would have chosen jad uh but uh thank you anyway i guess and thank you on behalf of jim who I, i'm sure is just <laughs> bowled over with gratitude um and also thank you jad for starting 20 years ago this dinky little show called radio lab oh is that Music still playing? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Bring it in hot. <laughs> okay. Well, so since it is the show's birthday, and since we do have Jad and Robert here on the line, um, I want to know from everyone listening, has Radiolab ever changed your life? Has it ever made you do something you otherwise wouldn't have? Has it ever made you not do something you otherwise would have? Has it at any point over the last 20 years, has it changed the way you exist out in the world? Uh, If so, call us at 844-745-8255. That's 844-745-TALK. Or tweet at us at Radiolab or just tweet using the hashtag Live.
4: This is Radiolab. We'll be back in a moment. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Radiolab today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com
0: slash Radiolab. WNYC Studios is supported by Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial. When the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com.
2: I'm Lulu Miller.
4: I'm Latif Nasser.
2: Tonight, Radio Lab's twentieth birthday party live. We want to take a few minutes to hear from people about whether and how the show has changed your lives, uh, and especially so in the presence of Jad and Robert. Um, our first, we, our first call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> uh, it is Radio Lab's W. Harry Fortuna, our production coordinator, here in the studio with us? Harry, hello. Hello. Um, you have a story about Radiolab from before you actually worked here.
5: I do. Uh, Radiolab is my you know, career change. I used to work in TV and film. Uh, and in that job, I was in my car a lot. I was a location scout, and I heard an episode, uh, You Versus You. And back then, I'm not proud of it, but uh, I was a smoker, a pretty heavy smoker. Uh, and I had tried to quit a bunch of times. Uh, And in that episode they talk about something called the Ulysses contract, whereas you make a deal with yourself that you're not willing to lose. Uh, And because of that episode, I made a bet with my brother where I bet him my my just cherry of a car. I had a 1987 Buick Grand National, (laughs) AKA the Death Star, which is what it was called because it only came in one color, black, Uh, and I named it Pearl. And I bet my brother that car that I would quit smoking. And he made an alternate bet with me that he would quit vaping because he started vaping at 42 like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but he lost the bet in a week. But on the night of my 35th birthday, when I made that bet, I threw the pack out in the trash and I never smoked again. And oh. it was all because of what I heard on that episode. Wow. Jad and Robert, are you there? I'm a hairy Fortuna. That's pretty That's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. My lungs, thank you. Okay. All right.
3: And, and and your brother, what was what's the sec- What's what happened to him? Did he stop vaping?
5: Oh no no! I found out a week. I found out later that he lasted about a week, um, <laughs> and we had some sort of, I guess it's called like a dead man's switch, so you couldn't back out of the bet even if the other person lost. But uh, I actually, what was so surprising to me, because I had tried to quit so many times prior to that, and done some very depraved things instead of quitting to get more cigarettes. Um, after that night, I actually never wanted to smoke again. It just, it turned a switch in my head that made, um, losing the car was, or keeping the car was more important to me than continuing smoking.
3: Mm. Mm. Wow. And wow. was your
5: brother a regular listener to the show
3: or he never heard us?
5: Never heard it. Never well, heard see, it. In a, fact, probably a, still... a,
3: a, Oh, that you see. I can maybe draw a line <laughs> from that story. <laughs>
5: Maybe I, think I should have played. The happy people in
3: America, the largely happy and jolly people in America, who <laughs> really listened to the show, and the ones who are sitting sadly on sidewalks without cars, mm-hmm. vaping constantly, they are
5: the ones who fail to listen. Yeah, they, maybe, you know, the, they, maybe the maybe the dulcet tones of your voice were actually the key to the quitting. I
2: don't know. I think we need a. I think we need a slightly bigger sample size here. Uh, so actually, let us go. We're going to go to the uh, to the phone lines. We have Haven and Gwen on the phone. Uh, are you there, Haven and Gwen? Hello. Hey, Hi. Hey, you're live on the radio.
14: Excellent to be here.
2: Oh, thanks. Okay, tell us tell us your story about Radiolab. What happened?
14: Yeah, um, Gwen, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Um, you can go. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, so <laughs> I uh got my first episode of Radiolab, a uh, friend in college, burned onto a CD. The musical language episode I just had to Google the name to make sure I had the right one <laughs> oh my God, um, early. so early. That yeah. is early. <laughs> So I listened on and off uh, for a few years and I listened to the um, uh, an episode about a bone marrow donor and recipient uh, meeting oh, and yeah. because of that episode I uh, donated bone marrow and uh, oh. a few years ago I Got matched with Gwen, and I donated my bone marrow. And um, oh my god,
7: that,
2: oh, was, wow. that was how we got connected. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gwen, tell us the story from your side.
14: It was
7: crazy. So in 2018, I was diagnosed with a uh, rare blood disorder, and my only treatment option really was a bone marrow transplant. And so my doctors told me they were looking on the registry for a donor, and Haven was a perfect match for me.
2: Wow. And did you guys... Did
3: did, did you meet? Did you actually... Yeah. 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 How
10: did you guys connect and tell us about that? Yeah. So Uh, so after... Go ahead,
7: (laughs) go ahead. So a year after, uh, (laughs) after the transplant, you have the opportunity to meet your donor and the donor has the opportunity to meet the recipient. (sighs) So we both filled out that paperwork saying we wanted to meet each other but it was during the pandemic, so we actually contacted each other through email first, mm-hmm. and it was, it was such an amazing day when we got the email from Haven. <laughs> um, my family and I were <laughs> so excited, and we emailed back and forth for a little bit, and we talked over Zoom, and then just recently last month we met at the Be the Match Gala in New York.
2: Oh, Cool.
3: Oh, there's now a gala so that people get can get together in a hotel room and look at the people who've given them <laughs> oh. the bone marrow. Wow.
7: Well, yeah, that's matured it's for considerably. Be
2: the, the Match the organization, right, that, does the, that organizes the, the donations and the donors and matches everybody. Is that right?
14: Correct.
7: Yeah.
3: What must that be like? Does, does everybody pair off with their double and sort of sit and, and, and hold hands? Or do they all
2: mingle together? Or, or were you two just special we guests were, kind of thing?
14: We were the only two. We were the only match. Oh, and actually, it's, I, don't, I don't even know if I've told you this story, Gwen, but my family flew out with me, my husband and my parents, and um, we were having lunch the day of the event. So it was going to be that evening. And my husband turns to me and he goes, well, so who are the other matches who are meeting up at the event? And I just looked at him, and I was like, It's us. We're we're the only one. (laughs) And he goes, oh, I was wondering why you were so nervous. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) like this is a big deal. Oh my
2: god. Well, yeah, I'm not sure
7: if I realized it until I was there that we were the only two meeting.
2: Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, you're the you're the you're the only two uh, uh, match made in marrow on our on our program too. So you should feel pretty special. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you for calling and telling us your story. Uh, uh, for those of you who have maybe have not heard the episode or don't know about it, uh, it's called uh, Match Made in Marrow. Uh, and and actually, we got some stats on it after we released that episode. Approximately three thousand six hundred people registered to become bone marrow donors, and twenty two of those went on to Match and donate, uh, yeah, meaning that potentially lives were actually saved, um, wow. which is uh very, very exciting. Um, yeah, and well. and you too, listener, can register to donate. Go to be the org to find out how. Uh, uh, Lulu, you want to take our next caller?
4: Yeah, Gwen and Haven, thank you so much for thank calling you. in. That's I don't think it gets any better. Um, That's super cool. So we we have another set of callers. I wanted to tell you one quick tweet we got, Robert, um, that came from MJ, um, who said, I have generalized anxiety disorder and PTSD, and I listen to the episode uh, Tree to Shining Tree anytime I need to ground myself. Um, And I know that's all all of you in there, but that, that piece about the interconnectedness in trees and communication, I think, is such a special one I, I also listened to that one for calming and had nothing to do with making it so double thanks Ro- on that <laughs> yeah
10: Robert you know who MJ is right
3: Michael Jackson it's My- Michael. Well, Jackson. no Michael Jordan Listen it's Michael Jordan oh, right. Michael Jordan
4: it wasn't Michael Jordan at all yes, you know, uh, but it know, was a <laughs> Megan okay okay Bradley. okay I'm moving I'm okay. moving I'm moving on to our callers we have another set we have Andy Barnes. And Mariana Vedeveto on the phone, Andy and Mariana, are you there?
11: We are Yes.
4: <laughs> all right, welcome Hi. to the party. Can you uh, can you tell us how Radio Lab changed your lives and and thank these these old guys who are not very old uh, for for the thing they've done yeah, into the, the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, how did Radio Lab change your sure. lives? Well,
11: first of all, thank you for having us. This is an honor. Um, to celebrate your your anniversary with you. Um, So how did Radio Lab change our life? So it was the summer of 2017, and I met up with a friend at a bar in Washington, D.C. When I got there, my friend was talking to one of his graduate school classmates, uh, who was this cute woman that introduced herself as Mari. The next thing uh, I knew, you know, an hour or more had gone by, and My friend had left by this point. Um, And maybe Mari, if you want to take it from there.
7: Sure. So the conversation was flowing well. And I brought up a recent trip to the Amazon for work. Hmm. And Andy asked me if I had seen a Jaguar. Um, So I put out a picture on my phone of a uh, Jaguar, Jaguar paw print. And I explained that uh, I didn't see one directly,
8: <laughs> but I
7: saw a fresh and warm paw range. So I knew that one jaguar, like a jaguar, was uh, very close. <laughs> and and this is when Andy brought in Radio Lab.
11: Yeah. Well, yeah. So Andy? I had just recently <laughs> listened to the Radio Lab episode, Wild Talk, which is one of my favorites. Um, and there isn't a jaguar in it, but there is a leopard. So it was kind of a stretch, but of course I asked for Mari's phone number so I could share the podcast with her. And then the rest, oh, they say. Is six, <laughs> three three years later, we got married, and so uh, we've been together five years.
2: Oh wow! Congratulations. Wow. So, mm-hmm. Thank you. So I I owe it
11: to to Robert and Jazz for that episode. That episode and helping me get my future uh, wife's phone number. So
3: thank you. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's really yeah. I would I would hope that people would be using episodes of Radiolab to get phone numbers in all fifty states. Yes. <laughs>
0: well, globally sounds.
3: like. And globally, yes. Yeah. Why not? Yes. Why not in Canada as well? It's not in the forest. Really. What,
10: yes. what were you, I? At the risk of asking a question that opens a whole a whole thing, but like, what were you doing, Chase, in the in the forest?
7: Oh, actually, it was it uh, it's related to my career. Uh, I work on forest conservation.
11: Mm. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. mm.
7: So, yeah, yeah. So, I'm originally from Brazil, but by then I was working in Peru. So, it was just a um,
10: work trip. <laughs> cool. All right. That sounds like fun work. Yeah. Oh i think lulu
3: and i remember lulu when we went up to that to that guy who was the um creating all those national parks for those animals and he had a sculpture in his driveway that we thought we thought we had run into a jaguar because it was sort of hiding behind a bush in Westchester, that, I believe. Yeah,
4: that was an amazing interview. That I think I'm forgetting his name, but it was about, yes, his his stutter and how a jaguar yeah. kind of helped yeah. him move through that. Oh, my and, God,
10: that's right. That's right. Um, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
4: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay.
2: Um uh, thank you. Thank you so much Andy and Mariana. Uh we we have we have time enough just to squeeze in one more call here. Um it is uh, Nick in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh are you there? You're you're on the air.
12: Hi, yes, I am. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Wonderful. Uh tell us, how did we how did we change uh your life and and was it should we be apologizing or uh <laughs> And you have to do it in a no,
4: minute
2: or no, less. I'm I, sorry. Uh... Oh shoot! No, I'll
12: be super quick. Uh, <laughs> I used to be a really pessimistic person, and uh, I kind of fell into like a deep depression for a while uh, a number of years ago. Um, and on the radio one day, I was just kind of going through, and I just found Radio Lab completely by accident. Uh, and it was the episode on colors um, and learning that the fact that the world didn't have words for the color blue and just the idea and concept of it didn't even occur to them. Like I believe mention mentions about how Native Americans didn't have a word for the color of the sky. That just concept of that kind of question di- didn't even occur to me ever before. And it gave me a deep hunger to learn more about the nature of the world. And it just led to such an appreciation for everything around me and uh, have kind of inspired this lifelong search for more knowledge, and more uh, just understanding of the world and just uh. constantly being amazed at what we don't know. Thank Nick, you. that thank you means you so, so
4: much. Nick. much. Um, oh, thank wow. you for calling in. And thanks to everyone who called in um, this whole night as we tried this out. We pledged to keep trying to change your life.
10: Hmm.
2: Yeah. And uh mm-hmm. and, and and biggest thanks of all to Jad and Robert uh for making this show, uh this 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 little world that we live in. Uh, we love you both. Oh, so love nice you guys back. Love you too. Yeah,
3: <laughs> absolutely.
4: Um so as our as our real thank you to you, Robert and Jad and to all of the listeners who've listened over the twenty years and maybe are even still listening tonight? Unclear. Um we have our we have our big uh we have got our big ender for our for our birthday party because no birthday party is complete without amazing refreshments. And so we have cooked up the biggest and best one we can think of. Um but we need our we need some help. We need our callers. Um callers, are you there? Wame Mothelo, are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Great. And where are you? Where are you calling from? Uh, from Botswana in Maung. Okay, and what time is it there? And what does it look like around you right now?
6: Yes.
7: Right now it's three fifty-five a.m. Oh.
2: <laughs> thank and you for staying up.
4: I know. Thank you for um, getting up. And what is it? What does it look like out there? What can you see? <laughs> uh well,
7: it's. Dark and very, very cold because <laughs> it's winter.
2: <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna make this really quick. Then we promise. Um, Eric Eric Villard, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Where Where are you, and what time is it, and what does it look like all around you?
9: It's just about four p.m. my time, and I'm on uh, Hawaii Kai, which is near Honolulu, Hawaii.
2: Okay. Um,
9: and it's it's beautiful here. I mean, it's. It is, uh, you know, big uh, palm trees and uh, Hawaiian grass and cool breezes and uh, and these amazing trees. I got to find out what the name are. They have these amazing colors on the park. Great. So it's a beautiful place.
4: Okay, so so Wame in Botswana, it's cold and dark. Eric in Hawaii, it's warm and light. You are standing on opposite sides of the globe right now. Uh, what are these called mm-hmm. again, Latif?
2: Uh, Antipodes.
4: Okay, so picture Wame up top on top of the earth and Eric on the bottom. Uh, have you each, as instructed, brought a piece of bread?
2: Yes, I have a piece of Hawaiian bread. Wame, what kind of bread do you have? I have a piece of brown bread. Brown bread. It's- Perfect. Brown <laughs> um, okay, so now, on uh- the
4: count of three, we would like to ask you to put the bread on the ground okay three two one go done just did
2: on On the the ground ground. listeners we have made an earth sandwich
4: everyone listening we are right now inside the very same sandwich
2: incredible incredible (laughs) (laughs)
4: Me <laughs> feel so warm.
2: Um, shout out to artist Zay Frank. Back in 2006, Zay made the world's first Earth sandwich. A baguette was placed on the ground in Spain, and a baguette was placed on the ground in New Zealand. And we've been wanting to make one ever since, and we just did. Um, that is it for this hour of Radio Lab Live After Dark. Thanks to our dream team over here. Mary Croak, Leora Nome Kravitz, Zach Goderer-Cohen, Jason Isaac, Regina Dahir, Jessica Balderrama, Peter Ierlano, Ior- um, Matt Morando, Megan Ryan, Aaron Cohen, Carolyn McCusker, Sindhu Nyanasambandan, uh, Annie McEwen, Dylan Keith, Jeremy Bloom, Soren Wheeler, and Susie Lechtenberg.
4: Special thanks to Alan and Alita Gofinski, Alex Wellerstein, and Catherine B. Rizugo. Good night, everyone. Sweet dreams.
2: And happy birthday, Radiolab.
1: Okay. Uh, that was our experiment with live radio in celebration of Radiolab's birthday. I hope you had fun listening to it. Uh, we had a lot of fun making it. Um, just to remind you, this was only half of the full sort of live show we did. We did two hours last week. And members of The Lab and Radio Lab Plus on Apple Podcasts it will get exclusive access to the first hour. I played you the second here. The first hour of that radio show, they'll get that next Monday, May 30th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So if you subscribe to The Lab at radiolab.org slash join and to Radiolab Plus on Apple Podcasts, you, you will be getting that in your feed. You can go back and listen to it and re-listen to it whenever you want. I, I'll tell you there are some very fun things in that first hour you get to hear from our editor Alex Neeson's cat Poppy you get to hear silly questions from call-in listeners so a lot of fun there and you even at the very end get to hear my father-in-law's dog sing with me happy birthday so so if you want all that just join up to the lab um and whether you do or not this is Radio Lab. I'm Soren Wheeler thanks for listening and we'll be back next week
14: Radio Lab was created by Jad Abumrad and is edited by Soren Wheeler. Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser are our co-hosts. Susie Lechtenberg is our executive producer. Dylan Keefe is our director of sound design. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, W. Harry Fortuna, David Gable, Maria Paz Gutierrez, Sindhu Matt Kilty, Annie McEwan, Alex Neeson, Sara Kari, Anna Roskwet-Paz, Ariane Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster, with help from Carolyn McCusker and Sarah Sonbach. Our fact-checkers are Diane Kelly, Emily Krieger, and Adam Shibill.
12: Hi, I'm Ram from India. Leadership support for Radiolab Science Programming is provided by the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative, and the John Templeton Foundation. Foundational support for Radiolab
11: was provided by the Alfred P., Sloan Foundation.